Welcome to the Minnesotan Podcast. Today we have a Minnesota native on hand with us today, Josh Hauji, the assistant head coach at Clarkson University in Potsdam, New York, Division I program, one of the greatest programs in the country as we speak. I'm looking forward to talking to Josh. He has a great background growing up playing Minnesota hockey, uh, played college hockey at uh, Bethel University here locally, and has gone on a 20-plus year run of coaching at the junior level and now the past few years at Clarkson. Should be a great show. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, put a dent in your Christmas list this weekend and take home a lot of, uh, take home a free hat by spending $100 or more at the Minnesotan now through Christmas. Any of the hats, awesome, awesome hats that they have at the Minnesotan could be yours if you spend $100 or more there. Great uh, vintage material, great vintage hats. You name it, you can find it at the Minnesotan up in White Bear Lake or check them out online at theminnesotan.com. Hope you enjoy today's show. Is a burning thing, and it makes a fiery ring bound by wild desire. I fell into a ring of fire. Well, good afternoon, Josh. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. We met once. I think we were supposed to talk for like two or three minutes, and it turned into like an hour. Uh, we we hit it off up in Fargo Moorhead when you were working for the force, and I'm great great to be reunited with you today and learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's funny how the time flies, and you start talking hockey, and it just keeps going. So. <laughs> It really is my wife, and I'm sure your wife's the same way. Like, oh yeah, that was supposed to be ten minutes, and it turned into an hour. It's just that's the way it goes with this game. It's a fun game to be around. Yeah, it, it happens more than once, and uh, yeah, I, I got a new new rule when the when dinner's served at home, we put the phones down, and that's about the only time I'm I'm not working them, whether it's recruiting or just talking. So uh, I, I owe my wife a lot, and she deals with a lot, and my two boys for me able to need to be able to do this. Yeah, it's so funny. I have the same rule. And last night I was supposed to be home at 6, and I got a call from a very, very, very important person. And uh, I had to sit in the garage until 6.10, and that did not go over well. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> and I'm sure you've had the same situation happen, right? Yeah, once or twice. All right, so let's talk about who, who you were growing up uh, before we get into all the great uh, tales of the last 20 years. Um, let's talk about your parents. Uh, your mom and dad still still alive, and what were, the, were their, what was their profession? Yeah, um, so mom and dad, uh, well, I grew up in Rosemont, Minnesota. Um, mom was kind of like a teacher's aide, um, but more of just your all-star mom that would do whatever for her boys. Um, I had two brothers and she, she did everything and anything for us. And, and when, um, my dad, what were your brothers older, younger, you in the middle? Where are you? Yeah. Uh, I was the oldest. So I had two younger brothers. Um, we were, you know, two years apart each way. So when, you know, 10, eight, six. Yep. Um, so we were, we were close and, um, you know, always kind of playing together. Um, all three boys and all three fighting all the time. Yeah. Right? So, um, and then, uh, yeah, my dad worked for, uh, you know, whether it was Republic or, Northwest or Delta airlines. And he just, um, you know, worked on the ramp throwing bags and, and again, worked midnights so we could, we could play hockey and, um, you know, sacrificed a lot so we could, you know, do what we wanted as, 
as young kids. Tell me about that. So he worked the, the 12 to 8 shift? Yeah, I think it was like 11 to 7 or 10 to 6 or whatever it was. So he would he'd be coming home um, when we were getting up to go to school. And, uh, yeah, you know, he'd get home from school and he had to be quiet because if he'd be sleeping and you didn't want to wake up dad when he was, he was sleeping for the night. So, um, but yeah, a little bit different. And, um, you know, every once in a while I would come, he'd come home and have, you know, a Vikings football or uh, a North star stick. Cause he had done the charter and, you know, done, done the extra work and got something for doing that. So some pretty cool things we got to see, um, growing up. So you learned at a very, very early age, uh, that it wasn't easy to make a buck doing what you want or to raise a family, right? Yeah, I know. I think my, my parents sacrificed a lot so we could, you know, you know, do what we want. And, um, you know, he was, we we're, I mean, we had everything we needed and, um, but pretty blue collar family. And, uh, thought, uh, yeah, my parents pretty lucky for the parents we had. Yeah. Uh, so how did you get, you're the oldest. So, um, did your dad play hockey? Is there hockey in the family before you got a, a puck and stick? Uh, no, uh, my dad was a basketball guy, um, and football. Um, and my mom's brother, he played, um, he played hockey. So I think he was probably the one that like at least Hinted introduced us to it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess you grow up in Minnesota though. You're eventually going to find a puck and a stick. So walk through your, uh, first few years of hockey. Were you good? Uh, was it something that you just grew liking to and you got better? Cause you ended up playing college um, hockey. So you had to be pretty good at some point. I, I don't, I mean, growing up, I was a pretty average player. Um, you know, I, I didn't start until, you know, like last year might. So I maybe started a little later than your typical, your typical kid. Um, yeah, like I, I struggled. I played squirt C my, my first, you know, real, real year squirts there. And then, um, um, you know, was able to, to go up with a really, you know, I thought a pretty talented group of players as we went out, but I was, I was never near, near the top. I was probably in that, you know, mid level. And my first year of every age level was probably near the bottom of the, the A team. And then, you know, the, the second year was probably a mid level player. Um, somehow we stumbled across the fact that Eric Westrom, although he went to Apple Valley, uh, was a Rosemount skater. So you got a chance to, to play with Eric, um, I can only imagine watching him in high school, how good he was as a youth player. Yeah, we were, we're pretty lucky on, on our Bantam team there. We had, you know, Eric Westrom and Tom Pricing. So two guys that made it to the national hockey league. And um, yeah, Eric was extremely talented and a kid who worked so hard to get to, you know, to the level that he got to, um, you know, other guys would be playing video games. He'd be in the backyard doing squats and lunges. And he was just that, that kind of kid that was going to do whatever it, it took to get there. Um, I, when I think of him, I think about the fact that, you know, when you play in defensive zone, he would have a stick upside down and still have the ability to kind of get around me, just stick handle him that way. He was, he was, he was ultra, ultra talented. Uh, walk through. So his commitment is laser focus. We, we know that he was super skilled. He was a Rosemont kid. Uh, why did he go to Apple Valley? What was the attraction for him leaving his buds from Rosemont? Yeah. I mean, when you're Rosemont Apple Valley, you're, you're really close growing up anyways, but his, his father worked there at Pat, um, Apple Valley and just kind of, you know, went with, with his family. Um, I'm sure it was one of those things at the time we were all upset about, but you know, it's, it's family, it's blood. So you understand what he was doing and, you know, it was, 
it was tough because definitely wanted to beat them, but they ended up probably, you know, getting the best of us most of our high school career. Now, and, and you can't fault them too much. I and mean, they won a state title and played in one of arguably one of the most exciting games. Do you remember watching that game? Were you at the, at the civic center then when that game was being played? Yeah. Yeah. It was on the goal line there of, uh, yeah. Well, cause the, yeah, right, right there when they scored the game winner and, you know, it was, you know, cause in middle school, we would have half of the, of us would have went to the middle school with half of that Apple Valley team. Oh, so really? Aaron, yeah. So Aaron Dwyer and I would have scored the game winner would have been in, you know, whatever science class together. And so you're, you're buddies with all those guys, but just, it made the rivalry, you know, a little extra. When they're playing in the state final, you're cheering for them or sort of secretly cheering against them. Oh, I, that's not secret. I was a hundred percent cheering against them. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, uh, I'm yeah. so glad you answered that honestly. Cause if I went to Southwest had Washburn or Edina, our two rivals on, on either side had done anything well, I wanted them to lose so bad. I don't know why that was. I probably wasn't mature enough. Right. Is that what it would be? I don't know. I mean, so here St. Lawrence is a rival and I don't care who they're playing St. Lawrence and Cornell or they're playing. I hope they lose. So, I don't know if I haven't grown up yet, but it's, uh, yeah, I just, I think when you, when you compete against somebody a lot and you grow, I don't know. You yeah. Just, and I mean, our, now looking back, I'm glad those guys won it, but I mean, just, I don't know. Just like you were saying, Southwest and Washburn shared a lot of middle schools. Like we went to middle school with these kids, but like we knew these kids just as well as you did. It was, it was crazy how that worked. Yeah. Um, so your senior year, you get, a legend. He didn't know it at the time, legend, but Ty Eigner coaches hockey for the first time. Walk through that experience of being coached by a, a guy who's now a Division One head coach, who I'm sure you know very well, and B, uh, the experience of him kind of learning on the job. Yeah, I mean, so you're, you're going into your senior year and you obviously have extremely high expectations and that you're, you know, going to you know, every, everybody's making the state tournament at the start of the year. So, oh, yeah. um, yeah, so we're, we're excited. I mean, he was, he was a younger guy. I thought, uh, he did a really good job of connecting with, with us as players right away. And, um, you know, he would, I had study hall. I, he, he actually worked the security door at the front entrance. So whenever I had study hall, I would get a pass from him and we'd just talk hockey and, uh, you know, pretty lucky to have him as, you know, for your senior year, it's a memorable year. And, um, he, he made hockey a lot of fun. And I think when you start looking at how you, how you want to coach, I think that's kind of start pulling some stuff from him and, um, just the way he, he cared about you. So, so I gotta ask, you know, we're, we're now we're skipping way, way ahead on your, on your biography here, but when was the next, after your high school career's over, uh, you're at Bethel and you get done with at Bethel and then you're out in the real world coaching hockey. At what point did you become big time enough where, or you guys were fully invested in hockey? Both of you guys were that you guys crossed paths again. Was this, you know, a couple years into oh. your junior co- coaching career or maybe several years into it? Yeah, I would say it was probably several, several years into it. I mean, cause I started, you know, like, I started at some lower level junior hockey right. where he wasn't yeah, right. and recruiting and he was doing the, you know, he went to Brainerd for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would have either been when I was in the USHL or when I was in, um, you know, in Fairbanks in the North American league. Um, 
I, I'm guessing it was probably in the USHL. And the reason I bring it up is here you 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 guys cross paths, and you're like, "Hey, remember me? I played for you. See the year." And you'd be like, "Does he remember you, or does he not remember you?" Well, I I went to his wedding, so I hope he was. I hope he remembered me, no matter what. So okay, he's, uh, got it. Yeah, got it. Got yeah. it. All right. you, you know how that goes, right? Where you're at, you, yeah. You and I have this happen all the time to each other, like. How do I know that guy? No, I know that guy, but where do I know him from? So it's, you know, when you yeah. co- coach a lot or go come across a lot of kids, sometimes you don't remember them all. Yeah. You know, it's, it gets to be a lot. And, but he was, yeah, he was, he was a coach where I think he probably remembers or has a, a feel for, for his guys and, you know, the guys that worked hard for him, I think he, he appreciated. And, um, you know, I think that hopefully that first group, we, we weren't too hard on him and he, uh, you know, because <laughs> we learned a lot from him, so hopefully he took some from us. Yeah. All right, so let's fast forward to uh, college hockey. You played at Bethel. Um, walk through the process of choosing Bethel. Um, was it the coach? Was it the school? Was it hockey? Was it the, the faith at, at Bethel? What was the big attraction to going to school there? I think it was a little bit of everything. I was um, I was actually recruited by Brad Frost. He was kind of the – him and Dave Oss were the two – two guys that, um, or, uh, you know, that I guess started the talk there, Dave Oss kind of took over, um, you know, as, as I was going through it and, um, and Dave wasn't it, it there just, that long. Know, he wasn't at no, Bethel. He's like no, maybe he, one or two years, right? Yeah. So he did like the majority of my recruitment and then like left before I even really got there. And, um, but I think once you meet, you know, Pete Oss, he's, he's kind of the guy that, uh, you know, like <laughs> he's just, it talked about coach Agner caring about you. Like he, he truly cared about every player. I mean, Pete was, or coach Goss was unbelievable about just taking care of you. And just, um, still to this day, like anytime my mom talks to him, she starts crying just cause she knew that, you know, he was, he was that grandfather figure, father figure, however you want to put it, that would just do anything for you. Um, the hockey side of it, I felt like I could step in and, and play right away. And that, that was important to me. And, um, yeah, so I think, um, there is just a lot and you go on a visit and you have a feel and I felt good about it and decided to go there. And, and I hate to sound like talking like the good old days, but that was the good old days where you didn't have to go play a year of, uh, junior B or, 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 or any junior hockey. You could just step in and go play college hockey. Yeah. There were a lot of guys that did that. And it was, I mean, it definitely made for a, uh, you know, you'd get some guys that were 18 years old right there as opposed to now, typically now where you're, everybody's 21 years old. So It's different. So there was a week before the show, we went through one of the year's rosters. And on this roster, is it's like the coaching capital of the world. I mean, there's a lot of great coaches. Yourself, you're, you're, oddly enough, you're the highest on the food chain, believe it or not. Does that make you feel good? There's a lot of guys <laughs> that are contributing that took what they learned from from Brad and and from from Pete and 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 Dave to some degree and are now coaching yeah. like Ricky Sainty's at your alma mater at at Rosemount Garrett Van Bergen who I've done a podcast with uh, he's obviously at Delano and done a great job there Chris Carroll's one of the best coaches in the state at, at Blaine uh, Sean Moline is now a coach the girls coach at Centennial and tell me about Dan is it Ubel. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, Ubel. Yeah, he. Um, yeah, he. So he helps out at, at Rosemont as well. So okay, so he's um, with Ricky. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, so, Corey McKinnon was another guy that 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 coached at some. No, is he still coaching? 
Um, you know what? He was at Chisago Lakes. I, I think. Oh, he just that's does right. He was the head his, guy at yep. Chisago before Bergen t- took over. There's a new yep. guy there. Okay. Yep. And then Kevin Muller, he's coaching out out east somewhere, right? Yeah, he does the uh, Pittsburgh uh, Pens uh, AAA program. So I think it's the maybe U16. So he does that. So all right. And um, then lastly, your goalie Jeff Hall was uh, is still coach, not necessarily coaching a team, but he's coaching lots of goalies uh, over at Stavers Goal Crease. So. A lot of coaching in one team. Did you, did anybody yeah. get get a word in edgewise? <laughs> no, I mean you know Coach Oss and and uh, you know Darren Thompson and 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 Joel Johnson and those guys like they they, they ran the show. I mean uh, I think you know we all loved hockey and that's kind of um, you know why we went there and that was the the big the big point of going there is you know it's a it's a great school but like a good hockey school and a you know, a bunch of guys that really love the game and um i thought we're you know kind of like-minded and trying to do things the right way and you know be a good person and um you know have fun along the way yeah um it's funny you bring up darren thompson i work with him uh almost on a daily basis up at the super rink and he always like drops in the yeah when i was at bethel coach i'm like it's so weird when you when you have somebody like envisioned as to what they do when they run a rink you can't really see them outside of that you know it's like when people see me in an airport or they see me somewhere like i don't recognize you you're not here in a hockey rink where you're supposed to be kind of thing <laughs> and what was darren like I, I love working with him at the super rink and all the different projects we do uh, yeah, unbelievably great man. Um, oh, so much to him. He was, uh, yeah, like he was the bones of the, of the staff. I mean, he did, uh, so much of the, of the, you know, grunt work and just doing everything day to day. Um, I mean, coach Oss was this, the, you know, the spiritual guy and the guy that, you know, had the faith component, but I mean, as far as the hockey side, it was, it was tops and he was, uh, he was great. I learned, learned a ton from him and he was, yeah, every time I see him, I'm still a little intimidated by him. He was, uh, <laughs> he was hard as a coach, but like, uh, he was, he was the best. Oh, that's so, that's um, so fun to hear. Intimidating yeah. is the last thing I think of when I think of tops, but again, oh, yeah, it's like, different, <laughs> different venues, right? Everyone's got a different role in every venue, right? Yeah. Like if you turn, I mean, turn the puck over there at the, uh, yeah. <laughs> at the blue line or something. I didn't want to come back to the bench with him. So he was, I mean, he was great. Um, every time I see him, I'm, you know, probably don't tell those guys, you know, thank you enough, but you owe a lot to him because I mean, he started, you know, as far as details and habits, I mean, I used to cross my feet over all the time as a defenseman and he'd, he'd be on you about that little stuff. And just, you know, I think you start learning, you know, Hey, this is what you have to do if you want to be a coach. Right. Right. Okay. So I got to figure this out. So you graduate from, from Bethel, and you be, you know, you're basically handed the reins to the Minnesota Northern Lights. How did you, how do you go from playing to coaching and without any coaching experience? It, was it a matter of no one else wanted to do the job, or walk through that process of getting in with the Northern Lights right out of college? Yeah, so my my last year of school there, I kind of started like moonlighting because it was the South Suburban Steers at the time. Yes. Um, and they would practice at, uh, I think like 1030 at night at Lakota. And, um, I would just get down with classes and then, you know, have our practice or whatnot. And then after dinner, drive up, drive there and just help out, you know, a couple nights a week at the end of the season there, they lost a, they only had one coach and I would just help out. Well, um, in the off season, the trainer bought the team, Stephanie Smith, 
and she, um, I, you know, just, they were looking for a new coach and asked me if I wanted to do it. And, um, yeah, I, it was, I had played with Eric Fink and, you know, he wanted to get into do a little coaching and we had lived together and we decided to take, take it on. So you were his roommate and you guys were coaching together. Did you guys ever brawl like over a, a bad coaching decision on the bench when you got home? I don't know about if we brawled over anything that way. Verbal um, brawl, not like fight, fight. Just like oh, I can't yeah, believe I mean, changed the lines there or something like that. I don't know. We were we worked pretty good together that first year. Um, I mean, it was he ran the forwards, I ran the defense, and I mean, I, I I had the title as the head coach, but I mean, it was definitely it was a team it was a team you know effort there. And um, I mean, now looking back on it, I think everything was everything was always great. I'm sure at the time he was probably annoyed with me or frustrated with me on things I would do, but it went, it went pretty good. Um, I think we probably got most, so I had to, the only time we'd probably get in an argument is just because of the way the schedule would work. Cause I would have to get up at five in the morning and go open a club. Cause I worked at a athletic club to kind of pay the bills during that yep. first year. So I would do that from five to like six 30 and then when relief would come in, I'd go run practice from seven to nine and then go back to the club to work from nine to five. So that was kind of, you know, just, uh, it's a grind, right? Yeah. I mean, it never, <laughs> I guess the working at the athletic club felt like a grind, but the coaching part of it never did. And it was just, everything was so new and it was just exciting. So your role there and then obviously future in the future with Dubuque is you're recruiting the players and these players you're recruiting, you're also asking them to pay 1500 to 2000 or $3,000 to play on the team as well. Correct. Yeah. So it's, I mean, and it's, you know, you're getting some guys that, you know, they, they don't have a lot of options on where to go. And I mean, you're, I mean, you're not begging them to play, but you're, you're trying to sell that you can get them to a, you know, to that next level or put them somewhere where they can, um, you know, go to college and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's quite the process. And I think that first year I went to, I got the idea to just go to junior A camps and try to pick up what was left over. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was at the time, not a lot of people did that where now, if you go to them, it's, it's all, everybody's there. So it was, uh, we were lucky in the fact that people weren't doing it because we got a lot of good players right away and, um, you know, lucky to have the team we did. Were you guys successful as the Northern Lights or was it, uh, you didn't know what you were doing? No, I, I mean, we had, we had a really good group. So, um, I, I don't think we knew what we were doing, but <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we won a lot of hockey games and, uh, we had a lot of fun along the way and, uh, and we ended up losing, to the like the Phoenix Polar Bears back then were pretty t- like they were the, the team and we drew them in our in our round robin at the national tournament and we lost to them so we went two and one at the national tournament but just lost out to advance. So you're coaching junior hockey uh, and you're working at a health club. What is your career path at this point? Uh, if you meet a girl and she asks, "What do you do for a living?" I mean, what do you say? You know, or, or you, you go to Thanksgiving. What? How do you explain what your career path is at this point? Yeah, just you know, I was going to try to get into you know get into a high school and be a high school coach someday. That was what I wanted. So, um, just trying to learn the ropes of coaching. And I coach a junior hockey team. And then you try to you know, it's hard enough to explain junior hockey to people that don't know hockey. So trying to explain that to grandpa and grandma at the you know yeah. Christmas. Yeah, it's 
but I mean, everybody, everybody was supportive and they knew that I wanted to coach and um, kind of something that, you know, you knew you weren't the greatest player growing up, but you, you thought you had a chance to maybe advance your career as a coach. I can only imagine the aunts and uncles just rolling their eyes at you when you're explaining what you're doing for a living. Yeah, it's funny when I was in the even when I was in the USHL, like you still have some there like, well, hey, can't you just get the high school job? And, <laughs> well, oh, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. My wife does that even today. She's can't you just get a real job versus doing this thing. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is 10 times more fun. Um, so speaking of fun, then you get, this is kind of part time. Now you have a real career decision to make. Um, they move the, uh, you get an offer to coach Dubuque, uh, in the same league, but this is a full-time paid position. Uh, tell me about the move to Dubuque. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a tough one because, you know, Stephanie Smith and Eric and just everybody with the lights were, were great, but you know, like I, I wanted to coach for a career and, you know, at the time they got the big contract offer of about 15,000 to coach. So I thought I was making big time money, um, to coach hockey. Yeah. So I, I, I jumped at it. I mean, it was Dubuque actually drew fans for junior B, which, you know, it doesn't happen. I mean, they get a thousand a night. So it was a, it was a cool atmosphere and they had a light show and just everything about it. So, I mean, it was a USHL city that was just, that junior B team was there for a short time and yeah. um, it was the show in town. So now you're head coach Dubuque, um, your first game. Uh, do, do you remember some of the details of that first game coaching there? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you talk about your family, my whole family is very supportive of everything I do. Um, they all come down and they, you know, they get in the, they get in the car and come down. And it's a big thing and uh, pretty nervous and, so you mom, dad, the brothers, mom, there? dad, brothers, everybody. Oh yeah. my gosh. So, so at the end of the sh- uh, warmups, they turn the lights off and they get the, the spotlight going the and I'm on the machine, bench. And, right. The whole deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. And it's, I'm walking across the ice and uh, they got the spotlight on me. And all of a sudden I hear someone out of the stands yell, how you stink. And I just put my head down and walk off the ice. I can't believe it. And, see the visiting team coach and he says oh must have been a fan of the old coach I got turn I look at him I go nope that was my dad <laughs> so my he was, he was, game, he was he was preparing you right that's 100% what he told me when I got off the game when I first thing I'm like what are you doing he goes hey like no matter what you do in this business people are gonna tell you it stinks so you might as well know it so yeah that was that was his big lesson to me. Yeah, I saw right through him. Like, I bet it was his dad or his brother. One of the two was yelling at him just to kind of toughen him up a little bit, you know. Um, <laughs> yep. So were you guys successful in Dubuque? And when, where, did Finker leave or was he? did he come with you? No, so he stayed at the Northern Lights and became the head coach. Oh, yeah, he, I like, yeah. I'll run the band, right? That's probably what he was saying. I, I can handle this. I don't need how to, yeah. right? Probably what he was <laughs> thinking, right? Well, yeah, I mean, he was – yeah, he's more than equipped to coach that team, and you know he he did a good job there. And um, yeah, I mean we were we had a good team right away in Dubuque, and I mean it was a spot to play if you were going to play junior B. Pretty much, um, it was either there or Phoenix, where you know a lot of the players wanted to go play. So right. um, was able to have some success there, and uh, I think we ended up finishing. We lost in the the semifinals of the national tournament and lost in the national championship on back to back years. So well, that's not um, bad. 
yeah, no, it was, we had a good run. So it was, it was a great time. I enjoyed it there a lot. And, um, Dubuque, I mean, it's fun to go back and recruit there now because it's just all the, all the housing families and just, it was, it was a great spot. So now you're three years into this, I'll put air quotes on this coaching career thing, right? And your parents are probably, all right, time to buckle up and go get a real job, right? Um, you get an offer to go coach in Alaska. You couldn't get as far away from the Twin Cities as Alaska. Explain to you how you explain to your parents you're going to go coach in Alaska. Were, were they all yeah. on board or were they like, yeah, good idea? Well, wink, they, wink. So my, <laughs> my brother had actually played junior hockey um, there. Mm-hmm. So they had been there. Um, so they, they knew that it was at least a good spot to, to go. And, um, they, I don't think they were excited about me going to, to Alaska, but they knew that I wanted to, to follow the path and give it a shot and were really supportive. Um, and they knew Rob Prophet, who's the, the general manager head coach at the time there. And now the general manager still to this day. And, uh, you know, he's talking about if you need to toughen somebody up, there's nobody, nobody tougher than Rob. So he was, he is a good man for that. So your brother played for Rob? Yep. Wow. So it's like, yeah. Is that, funny how story did you that, network yourself into this job? Cause you're, you're kind of in Dubuque and you're kind of in the middle of nowhere as far as this head, as far as the coaching fraternity, right? Uh, to, to get to, yeah. to Fairbanks, how did that all go down? So I, when I mentioned going to like the tryout camps in the summer, I would go there and I would just work them. So I would fill the water bottles up, get the pucks out ready, like just do whatever they asked. And, you know, at the end of the camp, if they asked my opinion, I'd give it. If not, I would just sit there and listen to them and see what they had to say. Um, and then, so Rob ended up started, he started to send me players because I would go to their camp and they, you know, you bring, they bring 28 guys to camp up in Fairbanks and they can only keep 25. So what do you do with the other three guys? Well, we'll just send them, send them to me. So I would farm club, right? Yeah. So, and then if they needed players, you'd send them right back up to them whenever you could. And I mean, that was the big draw was to try to get the guys that you had and, you know, get them up and get them out of there. And um, yeah, so it worked out great for me because you'd get, you know, you'd be getting players that, you know, were junior A quality. Cause I mean, if they're, you know, there's definitely some guys that, you know, shouldn't be playing junior B that are, and, yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it worked out great and, um, just kept working those camps and John LaFontaine and Rob Prophet, like those two names, those two guys were, were really key in sending me players and helping me get started. Where was John before, cause before he went to Shattuck. So he was at, uh, he was at Bozeman. Oh, he so, was. Okay. Bozeman, yeah. So, and those were two of the, you know, you know, better te- Bozeman was really good. I mean, when we, when I was in my first year in Fairbanks, I think Bozeman went on like a 21 game winning streak. Like they were, they were lights out. Okay. Um, so I'm not, I promise the last time I asked you how much, how much money you made, cause it's too personal <laughs> at this point, but do you get a big pay grade upgrade from you moving from Dubuque to Fairbanks? No, not really. So, I mean, you so went still from... just, you're doing it for the, the love, right? At this point, right? Yeah. I mean, I think I was making like 19 or 20,000 and I got a, I lived in a hotel room. So like, um, no just a sponsor. Yeah. Give me a hotel room. And then, um, a used car dealership gave me a car up there. So, um, Oh, you're living so I would large drive. at 19 K no, no rent, yeah. no, no car payments. God, I love yeah, this. So, this is great. But I think I'd trade spots would, with that guy right now. The cars you would get were, uh, so I'd had to change it out every month. So like every month I would just bring it in and, you know, in the middle of Alaska, 
winter there and you're driving a Volkswagen bug or, you know, just some of the used cars you were get were, uh, they were interesting and, but like, couldn't have been nicer people to, you know, give you that stuff. So it should, should be a little more appreciative, I guess, because all right, we've didn't talked, have to buy a car. We've talked a lot of Rob profit and, and I, just so I want to, I want to paint the picture for when a kid, when you hear about a kid going to Fairbanks now, even even I know who I'm not a huge NA follower, game by game, stat by stat, but I know this is the team when we go cover the Final Four over uh, in Belain every year. They're there every year. It seems like every year they win that division and they represent uh, at the Final Four. And I just keep going. This this the Stewart guy has got it figured out. They they have just got a great organization. And some goes well, yeah. They draw like three thousand a night. Tell me about the atmosphere in Fairbanks. Yeah, um, so I've coached a lot of junior hockey, and to me, I mean that's I it's second to none. I mean it's it's outstanding. Um, it's uh, yeah, like I think it's about twenty seven hundred a night. Okay, and they're um, it's a it's a military town too. So you have the you know the air or the army and air force bases that you know come over and watch. So you have like they're rowdy. I mean, like they, and they're tough individuals. So like you're, you better be a tough hockey team and you better be able to compete. Cause that's what they want to see. Um, you know, like they have a, a, a wet side and a dry side as far as the alcohol sales. So, and the, and they chant back and forth all night. So I don't know, like you have the people that are really, really drunk on one side. And then you have the kids that are just screaming and yelling on, on the other side, just tapping the glass behind the visiting bench. So, um, it's rowdy. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it, it's, it's something you got to put on your bucket list to see, cause it's a great, you know, there's the three outdoor rinks right outside the arena. So, um, if you love hockey to me, there's, there's not a better place to play junior hockey. So I ran a camp this, well, two summers with Johnny Sorensen, who is a kid who actually played with Luke Mokley, who's with you at uh, Clarkson. Uh, and I asked him, I said, well, what's, what's the draw? What was the draw to you going to, to Fairbanks? And his first response was kind of funny. He goes, well, they're the best all the time. So I figured I'd go play with the best team. That was his first response. And I said, what was, what was it like? And he goes, you know, I, played three sports in high school. I really wasn't that good at hockey. And if I'm going to do this junior hockey thing, I want to go someplace. I wanted to go someplace where I could just focus on my craft and getting better at hockey. And the, it's dark all, all year round. The kids that were there, they were totally focused on. There was not a lot of partying. There wasn't a lot of screwing around. This was We were all there focused to get better as individuals and as a team, and, and it showed by the end of the season. Yeah, and I, I think – you know, you go to for go play for a coach like Trevor. He does a great job, and um, Rob is very vocal in promoting his guys, and he's he's brutally honest. So, like, he'll let the guys know, like, hey, you gotta like, you gotta do this, and if you don't, you're not gonna play. And that's just that's just the way they are. It's a black and white world, and they tell you to you that way. Um, and the guys that go there, it's it's an automatic tryout. Like, do you love hockey or not? Because if you're not willing to go there, you probably don't love hockey. So it's, oh, everybody's different, but for the most part, I found like if you went up there, you you loved hockey. So that's that's the next thing I want to ask you about Fairbanks is recruiting kids to come to Fairbanks. Was it hard to get kids to come there? Yeah, it it was. I mean, it was it was a tough sell. Um, I think now they got it really going where they're they're moving guys on every single year to college hockey, and people can see the path. Um, when I was there, 
like going there at first, it, you, you maybe didn't see that path. Like a lot of yeah. the guys were going to division. Yeah. Going division three or, you know, Hey, like I could go straight from high school to, to division three. Why do I got to go play for you guys? Um, and live in Alaska, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you sold the, you sold the life experience. You sold, you know, people save their money their whole life to, to go up there and you can do it as a, you know, 18 year old, right. Um, sold the, you know, the dream of division one hockey and the fans. But I mean, yeah, you got to sell what you have. And I think it's a, it's a passionate community about hockey. So you, you'd sell that and, you know, you'd sell that Rob and how hard he was going to work for, for them to get their scholarship. All right. So you guys had success. Did you guys ever win the whole thing when you were up there, when you were coaching there? Yeah. So yeah, my last year. So my second to last year, we lost in the national championship. My last year we won it. So, um, was there for six years, um, we're able to get to the national tournament, I think three or four times. So yeah, I had some success and, um, some good runs. Uh, before we get to, to tri city, what, at that point, maybe, maybe even to this day, what were you leaning on for, from pre- previous coaches, uh, as, as kind of some things to always, you know, you talked about Thompson and, and, and the and details and habits. What were some of the things that you leaned on from previous coaches at this point? Cause you're having a lot of success. Um, I, I mean, I think, I, I, my, I was always just trying to get as much talent on the bench and that I could get, and then just kind of let them play. Um, I don't think I was this great X's and O's guys. I thought I taught, talked a lot about being accountable and like, I'm going to give you a responsibility to, to play how you want to play, but you better be responsible with the puck. So, um, just now looking back and I think I have more knowledge about how I would, how I would coach, but I thought the guys played hard for me because I thought, that I cared about them and that right. I would do whatever I could for them. And, you know, we gave them some, some freedom to be creative and make plays. And it wasn't like when you'd come to the bench, you were just getting, you know, you wouldn't get destroyed if you made a turnover. So I thought a lot of our guys had a lot of confidence and they felt free to make plays. Um, and yeah, I, I thought it was, it was a healthy way to coach at the time. And um, I think we probably could have won, maybe more earlier if I would have been a little harder about details and, right. um, but I, but I, I am proud of like the Amona guys that we had that went on and just had good college careers and, um, you know, had success cause we were developing skill. All right. So after the, uh, that season where you guys win, uh, you get hired, uh, by tri city, another, again, I mean, granted it's not Fairbanks, Alaska, but you're still kind of out in the middle of nowhere. You know, this is the path you want to, make by being in the ushl uh what, tell me about the process of getting hired there what 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 transpired to get to, to tri-city well so i had been six years in fairbanks alaska and um at that point too now i had um i had met my current my wife now Your current so wife not the, the future she, wife yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, she was not my she was not my wife at the time but um we had started dating and um as much as it uh, fairbanks is a great hockey town and it's maybe not my wife's dream spot to live and you know we were far away from family um so we started looking at like hey are we going to be in fairbanks like is this where we want to coach is this where we want to be for forever or do we want to try to keep moving up and at that time it was um let's see if we can get to the ushl um had a couple different teams that were interested and um obviously i'd coming around full circle eric fink was an assistant at Tri City, and I coached with him in uh, the junior B days. So, thought what better spot to go and go join him and 
uh, Lenny Hoffman and Dave Rogalski, a couple, couple buddies and coached with uh, Drew Shonick, who was the head coach there at the time. Boy, you just listed a bunch of knuckleheads there. I mean, Rogalski, what, his, did he ever mocked anything? <laughs> it's funny to see. <laughs> Isn't that his, great? Yeah, I like his rise. It's, uh, it's been pretty cool. Like, I mean, all of us have taken different routes, but all, you know, all those guys there are, are doing great things. And he literally, he literally called, he's the kind of guy just calls me out of the blue. Like it would be, it could be 18 months and I don't hear from him. And he calls to get on the phone. It's like, we, we were just best friends. Like we hadn't talked in forever. Um, and he's just done so well and it's so exciting to see. And he's made so many good connections. And now to see him as the goalie coach uh, for the New Jersey Devils is, is fun to see. Yeah, he's, he's worked so hard and, you know, um, I owe him a lot. I've had good goaltending and he's been a, you know, a big part of, part of that. We'll get to Lenny later. We'll, 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 Cause we'll come back to Alaska here in a minute. But, um, <laughs> so you coach in, in Tri-City. Um, oh, wait, wait, before that, I, I got to hear the story of how you met your wife. This is so funny. We have to share it. It, it. it just has to be shared because it's, it's, it's such a hockey thing, right? Is it so total yeah. hockey thing? So, so you're coaching and there's a guy on the team's sister is at the game. Is this how it works? Yeah. So I'm, I'm coaching. And, uh, so after like, so long story short in the North American hockey league, you can kind of get some raw deals as far as playoff scenarios, Well, we had to play all five games in Topeka, Kansas. So, um, on it, we played Friday, Saturday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then at the following weekend. And so we lose game one. And then, on, uh, I see, uh, the family and they ask us to have drinks as a staff right after. And we're like, no, we're getting ready for game two, but we're going to win. We're going to win the game two. And then we'll, we'll have a couple of drinks. And so sure enough, we're lucky enough to win game two. And, uh, the whole staff just decides to hang out with some of the parents and, just kind of hang out afterwards while well, I end up playing darts with this sister and um, you know, we exchange numbers and talk, but I'm coaching her brother. So um, I didn't want to like do anything there. So you don't want to ask her out or anything. So after the season, we ended up losing in game five and overtime and um, her brother's drew Darwitz. And I yep. just called drew in and say, Hey, like I out with your sister that night. Would you, would you be okay? if I asked her on a date and he kind of gives the who coach, I thought you were going to trade me. You <laughs> Go know, ahead. Like, you can date my sister. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, oh, I you know, I, and then in the, I lived in Fairbanks during the winter, but then in the summers I'd go back to Minnesota. So, um, we started, you know, kind of hanging out and dating. And then, um, the next year I became the head coach there and she stayed in Minnesota and, uh, um, you know, we did the long distance dating and then after a little bit, she decided to move up and yeah, that's, but now if it. if it were the current scenario, I don't know what it was like back then. The current scenario, Alaska comes to Minneapolis quite a bit. Was, was there any travel that brought you here? You know what? Back then we played a lot oh, like more Montana, in Montana right? and, yeah. and Texas. So yeah, like the, she went down to Texas a couple of times and um, then even during Christmas, I would always come back and, Right. try to recruit and, and just hang out. So, um, she, she would come up, you know, once or twice a year and, uh, you know, for a, for a long weekend and whatnot, but it was, uh, it's definitely different. Now at this point, when you're moving to Tri-City, were you married? Uh, yeah. So we got married that summer, um, right before going to Tri-City and, 
Got it. Um, yeah. And at this point, grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles might even have respect for you, right? After 10 years of slugging it out, <laughs> like, hey, he's working in the league that this is the USHL. I mean, this is that's legit league. Even I think grandma and grandpa might even understand that, right? Well, at that point still, I don't have a, like, I don't have a house. And oh, I, I suppose, I suppose. You know. I'm coming back home living with mom and dad in the summer, so I don't know. If, no, uh, you're right. You're yeah, right. You're it, right. It was super, but I mean, I think they're starting to realize that it's hey, he's coaching players that are you know playing Division One college hockey, and you know some guys that you know we had Kyle Schmidt that scored a game-winning goal for you know Minnesota Duluth in a national championship game. So guys that they at least recognize were doing stuff in in college hockey. That's true. That's true. So you spend two, three seasons. Um, in Tri-City, um, and you go from an assistant coach to GM head coach after Drew was let go middle of the season. What was that like? Was it was it unnerving? Was it exciting? What was what was going through your head? Well, it's like, I mean, it, it was disappointing at first because you didn't do a good enough job for him to keep his job. I mean, like, you, you, you let somebody down, and, uh, you know, we were off to a, a bad start as a group, and then but then reality hits that like your job is now on the line and you better get going here. And, um, I mean, it was, it was, we were just thrown right into it. So it was a lot of fun and it was exciting and it was, everything was new. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a ton of fun. So like they, that first year we went on a tear, um, and a tear being, we weren't very good. So, I mean, I think we were just a little bit over 500. From it when felt I took like over. a tear though, right? Didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and we were able to get into the playoffs, which was, um, yeah, I mean, I thought a big accomplishment at the time and it's something I was proud of. Uh, and then the next year, uh, where it was kind of your first, first full season, your first, first full draft. How did that year go? Uh, it did not go well. Um, yeah, I mean, I it was, you told uh, me that. yeah. So you, you get into, you know, like now I'm starting to get into, to like where I'm starting to think that like, Hey, this is, this could be a career. There's people that are going, you know, you got, you got guys like John Cooper that are going from yes. the USHL to the American league to the, you know, and he kind of went on, you know, he was a North, a midget coach to the North American league to the USHL. And I went, so I'm thinking like, Holy cow, if I can do well here, like I can, I could be a big timer, you know, like that's, and, and I started acting, I think different as far as like, how I coached, um, yeah. in, in junior B in the North American league, I, I was super, like I coached with a lot of passion and I sort of felt like, okay, I need to be quiet here and stand in one spot and just be this, be this somebody who I'm not. And I think that's, you know, if I ever get a chance to be a head coach again, I'm going to, I'm going to be me. And if that's not good enough, it's, I mean, that's what it is. But in tri city, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely was not, not a lot of fun to be around. I was uptight. I was, it was, it was a lot of pressure. I didn't handle it well. And, um, I mean, I learned a ton in that time. It's funny. I interviewed Brad Berry, uh, last weekend and it, the, the advice that he got from, and I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head. It's Arneal is his first name. He was the coach at, at Columbus, but he was the coach in Manitoba and, and Brad followed him for a few years. And Brad told me that, the one thing, his one takeaway uh, from this guy was stop 
you always got to be yourself when you coach. Can't be somebody else. You can't. Don't try to be someone you're not while coaching. And you're telling me the exact same thing like four days later. It's it's a it's a great piece of advice. Uh, so who is who is Josh? Who is you? He says, are you an energetic, uh, slapping butts and real encouraging cheerleader type? Is that who you are on the bench? Is that what you're more like? Yeah, I, I like to be positive. I like to have fun. I like to. I mean. I, you know, again, like I talked about, like, I think you got to have habits and details and be, you know, be tough on guys from time to time. But like, I, I think if they know that you really care about them, then I think they'll, they'll run through walls for you and do things that they, they normally won't. And I think, I mean, those guys, like I did care about them a ton, but I think they wouldn't have got that same feeling that maybe guys in Fairbanks or, uh, you know, I think here at Clarkson, I think, I hope the guys know how much I care about them and, um, you know, like how how important they are to my family and to to my life. Got it. Got it. All right. I don't know where we where we go from here. So, uh, your career it, it kind of ended abruptly. Uh, the next year, almost very similar to Drew's, where it was kind of midway through the season, you were let go. Uh, that's got to be a career low, or, or did you think I had a, you had accomplished enough where you had a lot of ties in the junior hockey community for future work? No, I mean it was it was a super tough time in my life. I mean, it was, uh, you know, like you're just, you're kind of uprooted, um, at the time. So we just, um, I was let go like three days after, you know, get, giving birth to our first son. So like, uh, my wife is looking at me like, what do we do now? Um, you know, like it was, it was tough. We were in the hospital. Um, and he, he was born and he had, you know, some difficulties at birth. So we had to get transported to Omaha. So we were at, we were in Omaha for 30 days and, you know, we're trying to figure out what to do next. And, you know, you don't really know where to go. You don't even know when you're going to get out of the hospital. So I think that was at the time it, it made it really easy just to focus on family and to focus on your son. Hey, like, yeah, like this is, this is, there's a lot bigger things. And, uh, I mean, I'd been pretty uptight the, the entire time during my time in tri city. So it was also, Hey, like I could breathe again and there wasn't the pressure of how you're going to find your next win and how you're going to, you know, how are you going to turn this thing around? So it was, uh, it was, it was disappointing, but it was also like, it was a big relief at the time. So there are some tough nights in Tri-City and, um, you know, luckily those guys, they ended up, you know, in a couple of years, the guys that we drafted, you know, we never saw them there, but they ended up having a lot of success. So it was, it was cool to see that they ended up, you know, being able to turn it around. You know, it, it, what's interesting about uh, where you're going with this is just your career alone, talking about just from a coaching perspective, all the guys that you've coached with, uh, the next guy I'm going to mention is another guy that I was mentioned in my Brad Berry, and it was a John Marks. Because, yeah, he was one of the coaches with Dean Blaze that coached Brad back in the 80s uh, at, at the University of North Dakota. He turns out to be the head coach at Fargo. Walk through getting hired in Fargo by John or by that organization. Yeah, so while we were um, in the hospital there in Omaha, um, there was just, you know, you're – so it's basically just you wake up in the morning, you go to the hospital, you spend all day at the hospital, and then you leave at, you know, 7 o'clock at night, and then you you do it over. And it's just day after day after day. Um, about three weeks in, the uh, the nurses there, they're like, hey, you guys got to just go to dinner, do something different, because you're spending, the, you know, you're spending a lot of, like, Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving meal in a cafeteria is, is tough on, you know, 
a, a newly married couple with an, a, a young one in the hospital. So um, Fargo played uh, Omaha and we decided to just, just to go to the game and just relax and have a nice dinner. And um, so we went there and then after the game, I just went down and said hi to both staffs. Um, the Omaha staff, uh, like they were kind enough to like, they got us some gift cards and stuff when we were in the hospital and just really nice things. And the Fargo staff was one of the first ones to reach out Byron Poole and John Marks. Um, you know, Byron's a great friend and he's done just done a ton for me. So um, they said, Hey, stop down. So we stopped down after and um, Fargo right away was like, Hey, like, you know, when we know you're under contract until the year's over, but we're going to need, need someone next year. Are you, are you interested? Um, you know, you're a coach. So you're, yeah, like, let's, let's talk. And, um, it gave me something to start, like, kind of trying to, to, to look for and to, uh, you know, you're able to, as soon as we got out of the hospital, we went back to Minnesota and stayed um, with my wife's, wife's family. And, um, you know, I would, you know, take, take the little guy for walks during the day and then at the night go watch high school hockey. So it, it gave me something to get going again and start building a list and, you know, a reason to start, start coaching again. So that, that winter... Uh, were you somewhat a, like a scout maybe for Fargo kind of just as ad hoc or are you just kind of going to games to, to kind of know your, to know your players? Yeah, I just, I mean, I would just go, like I thought, you know, I, I knew that Fargo was at least that was an option. Um, but I couldn't really do anything until, and you know, until the end of uh, May when the season ended. So I would just go to games, try to be visible, let people know that like, Hey, even though I don't have a job, like I'm, I'm going to coach again. And, um, luckily enough, like Minnesota, like there's so many events, whether it's yeah. North American league or, you know, midget AAA tournaments or high school hockey state tournament that you can, um, <laughs> that you can be seen. So yeah, it's not to, hard. You know, it is not yeah. hard. You, you go to the super rink one weekend, you go to Braemar the next, next thing you know, you're, you're dialed in and connected with tons and tons of people. Yeah. It's probably one of the only scouts that had a, uh, <laughs> like a six month old at the state hockey tournament, but it was, it was a good experience. And, uh, you know, funny story to tell, tell my little guy as we get older here. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. Uh, let's walk through the, that, that year in Fargo, uh, and, and, and the trends, you know, moving in, into division one, eventually I find we're going to get there. It's 54 minutes in. Right. So, uh, walk yeah. through that season with John and, and how that all played out. Yeah. So, um, you know, Byron Poole did a did a ton there with John, and they just they so everybody knows, Byron's an assistant at uh, Grant Patoni's assistant at Northern Michigan. It's just you, you've said his name about four or five times. I know who he is, but I want to make yeah. sure our listeners know who Byron sure. is. Yeah, longtime junior coach too. So like he did kind of a similar path as me. You know, he did the junior B to the North American League to the uh, USHL. Um, so he uh, like they gave me the you know responsibilities right away. I was running the the, the forwards and the power play. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was just fun to get back and, and, you know, have player relationships and be the skill skill type coach that's recruiting. Like, I think that's the biggest thing you find, um, when you're a head coach versus, uh, the assistant is the assistant, like the players loosen up. They're not so uptight around you. They can kind of, they speak a little freer. Um, so you have really strong relationships and you're able to connect. Whereas a head coach, you come in and everybody's guarded. They're afraid you're going to, you know, take away their ice time. Yeah. You're going to trade them or cut them. So, um, I think it was nice just to come in and, you know, as a breath of fresh air and just kind of 
got to to love hockey again. So that was that was great. Um, John was he was uh like he was a long time coach. He was it was different, you know. He uh he would he would do things just you know he was he was pretty <laughs> like just old school in the way he would you know coach. Uh, the one time we were in Youngstown and we're doing a pregame skate and the rest of the staff is on skates and he's out there in his shoes coaching and giving orders and barking. And you're just kind of looking at him like, is this, is this normal? And he'd be like, well, Toe Blake did it so I can do it. <laughs> and he, he, uh, yeah, he was, I mean, he loved hockey and an unbelievable NHL career. He was, he's a, you know, he's a legend and uh, to be able to work for him was, was great. And it, it got me back into hockey and I, I, yeah, it was, it was a fun year. Did he ever tell you any stories just about like stuff like that with Toe Blake or, you know, cause he, he, he touched so many different teams and lives and coaching and playing all over the world. I'm sure he had tons of stories. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, you know, different things from just like going and watching a, you know, a Chicago Bulls basketball game to like in the afternoon to then playing a, you know, a big time game and, uh, you know, at the arena and just, just all the different people and, and, and things you would see as a, as an NHLer. And, um, I mean, he was, yeah, he, he had a wealth of knowledge and some of the stories it was, you wouldn't even believe him. So it was, uh, it, it was a lot of fun and he, he made going, like I said, made going to the rank again, fun. And, um, you know, it, it just, it, for me, it was as refreshing of a year as I could, could have ever had and what I definitely needed. So, it's funny that after that year, then John left and um, Kerry Eats came into Fargo and you were there with Kerry for a couple of months before you got hired at Clarkson. Walk through the hiring process at Clarkson. Did you interview? Were you the only choice? Uh, were there hundreds of choices and you were lucky to get the job? Walk through that process of, of getting the job that you're in now. Yeah, I think when you, the one thing I've learned is like, there's a lot of jobs that I've gotten that like I probably shouldn't have gotten. And then there's a lot of jobs maybe I could have got that I didn't. And it comes down to your relationships and kind of who, you know, and who's willing to vouch for you. Yeah. And, um, how did Casey like, find it? Did you know him from, from being in, in the, in the, uh, in the NA and, and the USHL or, or nope, was it, a referral? No, not, it was straight referral. And like, so at that time, like I was, I had done junior hockey so long. I was, I was ready to go to college. Like I wanted to get a college job. That was, I didn't care where I didn't care like how I was, I was going to get there. Like that was what I wanted and I was going to try to find a way. So if it opened up, I was, I was making phone calls and um, I was actually uh, me and my wife were on a, a trip. We were in um, Las Vegas in California. We kind of took like a, like a six day getaway type for maybe, maybe probably wasn't that long, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So we were in Las Vegas and I had heard that Andy Jones had taken the job at UMass Lowell. So I knew Andy from the USHL and he was, he was here at Clarkson. So I just, I just started calling and him. I'm like, Hey, what are they looking for? What do they need? And, uh, I knew, I knew Andy had, you know, was working with the penalty kill and was going to start working with the defense. So I knew that's what they were looking for. And, I called Casey and he was at his, his cottage in Tomiskamy in Quebec. And I just left him a voicemail that said, Hey, like, I'm your guy. Like, I'm ready to, you know, whatever you need. I'm like, I want the job. And I, you know, I got connections in the USHL. I think I can help you get USHL players. And 
um, Rob Prophet knew Casey very well. No and way. Rob got him. Yeah. And Rob got on the phone with him and just said, Hey, have I ever told you what to do? And he's like, no. And he's like, I'm telling you to take this guy. And, um, Casey tells me that every day, if it wasn't for Rob, there's, he wouldn't have hired me, but he trusted Rob and his word. And that's why I got the job. Wow. So there wasn't a long interview process. There wasn't a committee or anything like that. There was, there was, I mean, there was a process and there was a committee, but I mean, it was, uh, it happened. Like, I think I was hired like September 1st was my, I took the job, never being on campus, never seeing Potsdam, New York, never seeing anything. I didn't, I didn't know too much. I had to look up if they were the Clarks and Golden Knights or the Clarks and Green Knights. I didn't, I didn't know. I just, right. I just wanted the job. I was going to do what it took to get it. And uh, yeah, like that was, that's how I got here. Now, now I'm lucky enough that I love it here and I think it's an unbelievable spot, but at the time I didn't know that. All right. Well, this is the time. I mean, we've been waiting for this. You've been waiting to let's toot our horn, right? I mean, Clarkson, yeah. uh, you're right. I mean, we've talked about you, but now I want to talk about the program. I want to talk about recruiting, how, you know, some of the things, the, some of your strengths in recruiting and, 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 and the, what's great about your program. I'm going to, you're going to sell me on the university and I'm going to try to sell you on getting Minnesota kids to go there. Um, cause we don't, <laughs> there's not enough of them there. There's only three on the roster. Correct. We need to get at least that's, yeah, five that's on the roster. There's should be a minimum of five on that roster. Um, I'm, I'm kidding, but so tell me about the program. Tell me about Casey. What's his background? His name is Casey Jones and he's been there for 10 years, right? Yep. So Casey, uh, Casey spent, he's a you know, long time assistant coach. So he was, um, an assistant coach at, uh, Cornell, Ohio state, um, was at Ohio state kind of during their when they really had their first run of successful teams with, you know, guys like Ryan Kessler, RJ Umberger, mm-hmm. um, you know, like some, some big power forwards that have had good, good pro careers. And um, then went back to Cornell um, and kind of thought like, I think he got, you know, maybe passed over for the Ohio state job and um, knew that like, if he was going to get his head job, it was going to be out East just with his connections and where he played. Right. So went back to Cornell and then, um, Clarkson made a coaching change and, um, they were, you know, it's, it's a pretty storied, you know, history here and tradition, but it was, it was at the bottom of, of where it's been. And when he came in and, um, you know, he's, he's, he's come in here and now I think that we're, we're a program on the rise. And I think program now that nationally we're getting more recognition. Uh, wow. I would say so. Um, uh, last, you know, you've been to the tournament the last two years. Would have been three last year, hadn't it been for COVID? Where are you guys finding your success on the recruiting trail? Are you are you going old? Like that seems to be the trend of getting the the twenty to twenty one year old, like like a Luke Mobley type kid who was a ninety nine uh, last year. He was out of junior hockey. He, now he's a freshman this year, turning twenty one. Is this a, is this a normal type of kid? Big, strong, power forward like Luke? Are you big squad, small squad, skill squad? What what does Clarkson um, look like? Yeah, I think we got. I think we're known as maybe a you know a heavier hockey team. I think guys like Luke Mobley have will will have success here and have had success here. You know, you got Nico Sturm who is yeah um, who's with the Wild now. That was you know maybe that first first guy for us. Uh, well, Sam Vino before Nico then now Nico Sturm. And then, um, you know, Josh Dunn right now is currently, you know, on some list, he's the number one free agent in college hockey. And I think, um, like he's going to play, I think he can play in the national hockey league or will play in the national hockey league. And then I think Luke Mobley, he could be that next guy. Like I, um, you're that excited about him, huh? 
Yeah, we think he's big time. Um, he's he's not even the best just, hockey player in his family, and he and you took him. <laughs> That's a joke, okay? His sisters was Miss Hockey last year here in Minnesota. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty talented. So um, he's uh, he can skate. He's he's mean. He's got you know good stick skills, and he's taken that path of he went to the North American League, um, struggled there a little bit, and then had success by the end of the year, and then went to the USHL struggled a little bit and then took off and we think he'll do that for us. Um, he's yeah, he's, he's a fun one. Um, I talked about Johnny Sorensen, their path, those two players pass, you know, they grew up together. That's very similar where they just, they were multi-sport athletes and, and didn't really bud until their, you know, junior, senior year in high school where back that group of kids was all getting, you know, their peers were getting recruited when they were 14 or 15. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to be, like we don't have an 04 in our list of players committed right now. We don't even have an 03. Like we, we're we're a little bit older. Um, we're gonna be guys that have, you know, had some adversity in their hockey career. They, you know, like that's maybe they're decommitted from from their school or they uh, they didn't. You know, they got cut here and there. Like we're okay with that. Like I mean, I was I was fired as a head as a hockey coach. So it's I mean it's it, we think you know it's. It's about how you handle that and how you how you regroup from it and just, you know, how hard you're willing to work to get where you're at. Um, it's funny. I mean, is, I think if you put Luke, I mean, God, poor kid, we're just talking about him the whole show here. But if you use him as an example, here's a kid that, uh, you know, he played high school elite league, so you had to, you know he was pretty good, right? But he needed yeah. some seasoning. So you find these kids in the N.A. who have some success, who have a couple years left, who you think might make it to the USHL. That's the guy you really are targeting, right? Someone who's still hungry, uh, hasn't has been overlooked by the the big major schools, and ends up blossoming when they're 21, 22 years old. Yeah, I mean our our core team. You know, we have guys. You know, Brian Hurley went North American League, USHL, Minnesota kid that did that path. Um, I mean, we have a whole team of those type of guys, and um, I think they're guys that are willing to sacrifice, and they've they know that they got to keep working. And just because you get your commitment doesn't mean you're, you've made it. You got, you got a long ways to go. And, um, that's just, you know, that's the culture we want to have here is that, um, it's, it's going to be hard and we're going to push through it together and we're going to have fun along the way, but you're going to sacrifice for each other. And, uh, again, I think it's probably more of a blue collar mentality and it's, a, it's, I don't know, like I absolutely love our hockey team and, and not that we're going to, I don't know if we'll win a championship. I don't even know if we'll finish the season, but we come to the rink and it's a lot of fun. Like it's, it's a group where they, they work to get better every day. And, um, and, and I guess I haven't always had that in my, my whole coaching career. Well, we're going to get to that here because you're kind of in a really good spot right now. Um, but I want to, I want to ask a college hockey question. It's, it's, it's about the numbers of college hockey players. There's, you know, if there's 60 teams, there's 20 scholarships per team, there's 1200 kids. How many kids do you think, you know, Division One caliber kids? Do you think um, college hockey could digest? I mean, see my question: Could there be seventy teams? Could there be eighty teams, and still have a high level of play? Or what do you think the ceiling is for the growth of hockey in in the U.S.? I mean, I mean, I definitely think there's there's you know room for growth, and there's you know you could add teams too. I think it's on you know, college hockey too, to find ways to get, you know, more players in its game as far as, you know, you know, winning battles against major junior and convincing European kids yes. to come over too. But like, there's still plenty of guys that, you know, I, and I don't think I was one of them when I played division three, 
but there were there's plenty of division three guys that could play and do fine at, at division one level i agree with that and, and here's the example we were talking was it before the show we we're talking about you have two nhl drafted goaltenders on your roster do you see what you see yeah. what i mean like that's crazy by by the, by that standard like the gophers uh umpteen years 10 years ago 15 didn't have one and now you have two out of your three i just think the amount of talent that's out there right now um in 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 youth hockey in north america is super is so much greater than the amount of spots in division one hockey yeah and i mean you look at even long island put a team together yeah, and in know, like 25 in minutes a, and they're winning yeah. games unbelievable yeah, isn't it so, yeah and it's it's you know, there's the way it's going right now. I don't think we talk about it all the time right now. We don't think recruiting is in a great spot just with, you know, all the different things that can go on and the decommitments and the, you know, there's a lot of stuff that like, that we're not like, we try not to be about here. Um, but it's like, it's, it's tough to everybody's trying to keep up with everybody and the promises that are made. So it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of guys on rosters that could play, but they're just kind of, you know, behind guys right now where they don't have the opportunity. Well, that's kind of what I was, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and I'm sure you run into it almost on a daily basis with, with the current, uh, NLIs that you guys have, whatever the be the number of NLIs that you guys keep, how do you keep those kids happy? Right. Um, and yeah. get, getting them into school, um, and you're only, there's only one puck, right? So it's, it, there's yeah. only so much playing time for players. How do you manage it? That's got to be one of the trickiest parts of Casey's job, your job as a staff. Well, I think communication is, is extremely important on, you know, how you handle guys and, you know, giving them exactly what their, their situation is coming in. But at the same point too, like we, we talk to guys all the time that like you're, we, we use the analogy of like shopping for a car and we don't think that like, if you're looking for our car, like we're not a super fancy sports car. Like there's, there's sports car. Yeah. And we're not one. We like to think that we're more of like a, a big truck, a F one fifty that like when you lift up the hood, like the parts of that engine are strong. Like it's, it's your development model is, is like, we're going to develop you. We're going to coach you hard and we're going to bring you in and you're going to, you know, we're going to push you to be better. But like, if you're looking for that sports car, we're not it. Now we have everything you need. We have the shooting room with the, you know, the rapid shot shooting room. We have the 5,000 square foot gym, like, but like there's, there's probably a better cities in college hockey than Potsdam, New York. But like, this is a hockey town. This is a place where people are passionate about it, but there's there's better shopping and there's better nightlife in probably other cities. All right, well, I, you've you've really taken me to where I want to go here. Now, Potsdam, that's got to be pretty darn close to Lake Placid, isn't it? Yeah, we're uh, about an hour away from Lake Placid. Yeah. Now, this is if everybody knows, this is when you're talking upstate New York. You're you're how many miles from the Canadian border? Uh, about twenty. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. It's yeah. kind of like Warroad for crying out loud, right? Um, just in middle of nowhere, but you and but you have two major cities, Canadian cities, that are probably the closest cities: uh, Ottawa and Quebec, or Montreal. Yeah, Montreal. Yeah. Sorry. So, um, yeah, <laughs> Ottawa. Like, um, Ottawa airport's about an hour and ten minutes away. The Montreal airport's about an hour and a half. So, um, you know, you can get to Toronto in about three and a half, four, just depending on what part you're trying to get to. Um, could be five if traffic's bad, but, um, 
you're uh, like, we try to protect that area in recruiting. That's a, that's a key area for us. Um, Both of those cities? Proximity. Yeah. From Toronto to, to Montreal, that's, that's, that's a key area for us. When I looked up your roster, you have a ton of kids from Quebec on your roster. We don't see that in Minneapolis or Minnesota very often at all. We get a random kid from from Toronto who get, through the USHO will get themselves into Western hockey, Western college hockey. But it's crazy how many uh, Eastern Canadians that are that litter your roster. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's our backyard, and it's. Um, I mean. It, it, it's where we have to be good to survive. Um, now we, we would love to get more Minnesota kids and we'd love to get, you know, but at the same point, like I can, I can offer a kid in Ottawa and it's the same as, you know, a Minnesota kid getting like, like they want to come here. Like it's, this is where they'd want to be. And it's, it's a lot easier for us to, to get that uh, yeah. the amount of time where you, you know, like sometimes, you know, Minnesota, you know, you, you go into Minnesota and you really fight for a kid and then, we'll offer a full scholarship and you could have a, a school that's closer that could offer less and they, you, you could lose that battle. Well, I'm fascinated by this. Uh, sorry. I, I dig a little too deep on this Minnesota thing, but it's gotta be hard to get it, convince a kid to come that far to your school versus another kid. Who's an hour and a half away. Mom and dad yeah, are going to be mean, able to watch where the, the hour and a half kids going to be able to just drive across the border and watch the game. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely, you know, a, you know, more difficult decision. Um, but again, it's, I kind of view it as the one in Fairbanks, the guys that like, like if you like us as a staff, like, so I, I think when it comes down to it, do you like the school and do you like the staff? Because so many guys get caught up in making decisions on other reasons. Like to me, those are the two big things. Cause the staff's going to coach you and the staff's the one, like they have to look you in the eye and are they, are they being honest with you? And are they telling you the truth? Because if you're not, if you have a staff and you, they tell you all this stuff and then they don't deliver on the promises. You're just, you're at a school that maybe you don't love. And, and I've had enough guys that like, if the hockey's going well, like the school part of it is, is way better no matter what. So um, the hockey is just such a big part for all these guys that if, if they're not, if they're not happy, it's, it's a long year. All right. So one last thing, getting back to the Minnesota kids, is it hard to get a kid from Minnesota? Is it hard to attract those kids? Um, I, I mean, it's so academically, I think, you know, like if it's, it's a pretty good school here as far as how we're, you know, viewed nationally. So like, I think if the academics are important and, um, you know, the playing time's a good fit, like, I, I mean, Luke Mobley, like, I think he just, I mean, he committed like on the spot. It was, it was a done deal. Um, so it's just, I mean, it depends on the kid and it depends on if, you know, the relationship, I think. So. It, it is, we've had, like I said, we've had kids there, you know, school out West offers a lot less than us and they decide to go cause it's closer to home. And, and that's, you know, everybody picks their college for their, you know, their reason. So it also has to do with cost of recruiting. I mean, like you don't have a lot of time to get to watch high school elite league games or, or come to the twin cities to watch a bunch of high school players. So you got to kind of wait till they get to the USHL anyway. Right. Yeah, like we, we'd like to have a list before guys are going to, to junior hockey, but we really feel that junior hockey, it, it exposes like strengths and weaknesses. So um, guys are starting to have to make life decisions at that age. They're going to have to, you know, they haven't, they've been expo- they haven't been exposed to maybe some other things that they've never seen before. So um, 
yeah, like we really like guys that have played junior hockey before we, we make it an offer. So at that point, when you're watching a USHL game, you kind of don't, I mean, it's probably not the top of your list as to where they are from. Isn't that correct? Yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't hurt uh, if they were from, if they were from nearby, but it, it, at this point you're looking for the best fit to, for your program, not where yeah. they're from. Like, so like we just signed a, a kid to an NLI, Ryan Richardson, who plays in Fargo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he played in the, the CCHL and then, you know, Fargo drafted him and we supported his decision to go to that league. If that that's what he wanted to do. And with the CCHL not playing, it was, it, it made sense. And, um, you know, a lot of the times our guys will have gotten, you know, playing like Luke Mobley was playing in Fairbanks. We committed him and then it was drafted in the first round of the USHL and wanted to go. So we supported that decision. So that's, yeah. that's typically how it goes. Well, that's kind of interesting. So tell me about the school. Um, before the show, you told me there's 4,000 students. Uh, what's the, what's the atmosphere like on campus? Uh, uh, what are the, what are the, where are the student population come from? Tell me a little bit of the basics of the, of your school. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's heavier, um, you know, with New York state kids and guys that are, you know, from this region. Um, but you know, kind of students from everywhere. Um, a lot, a lot of people come here for business and engineering. Um, the engineering programs, you know, really well known. Uh, the business program, uh, kind of the big thing there is that one in five are CEOs or CFOs of companies that graduate from that. So, um, the the starting salary at mid level careers, like I think around 120,000. So, it's uh, it's known for that. Um, there's only two Division One sports on campus, and that's the men's and women's hockey team. So, it is the the big sport on campus, and um, you know, typically we're going to have a pretty big student section and it's, it's a pretty fun atmosphere to play in on a Friday and Saturday nights. You said that your pep band is pretty well known. It sounds like a little bit like Michigan tech. I mean, it's like a lot of, uh, uh, fun, fun atmosphere, the lone division one program, a big pep band. I mean, it sounds pretty rowdy. Yeah. They, they take a lot of passion and pride in it. And, um, you know, they just, uh, it's funny cause obviously we don't have, fans right now so they all all this uh the pet band just bought their cardboard cutouts and they got you know they'll be getting in their seats here so they'll have at least the section will be full for our for our game here in a couple weeks but um yeah they travel with us to all our road games so um there's atmosphere wherever we play and it's it, it you know it makes it a lot of fun how do you get them tickets is, is there some games where they can't get in because they don't have tickets or how do you get those guys in no, it's so it's uh, it's funded by uh, a donor that takes care of it. So they really? they they travel, they they get hotel rooms, they they get a bus. I mean, we're because our our road trips are a little bit different. We don't play this, you know, in the ECAC. We play, we have travel partners, so you play one team Friday and the next team Saturday. So it's not the same opponent on back to back nights. So. Got it. Um, How yeah. are, uh, I didn't even prepare for this part of the show. Sorry, I was focusing more on you. But tell me about what what Clarkson's got, a, a, what it's up against with the COVID and games and uh, opponents and conference stuff like that. Yeah. So um, the so we have a twelve team league of which is six are the Ivy League, and so all six Ivy League teams pulled out. So mm-hmm. um, and then with that RPI and Union did as well. So we went from twelve to four. Um, so it's it's us, Quinnipiac, uh, Colgate, and St. Lawrence. Um, so that that schedule is is going to be coming out here um, in the next couple weeks. But 
we'll play, um, you know, all games after Christmas against each other. And, um, and then right now we're just, we've played three games. We're just kind of nomads looking for games. Like if anybody wants to Who play, did you play? Uh, I thought I saw uh, it. Like did we you play RIT. Yeah, we, RIT and Colgate is who we played. And, uh, and RIT is not in your league. You just nomad game those guys, right? Yep. And that's so like, basically today we found out AIC was playing Long Island and AIC can't play. So we're calling Long Island to see if they want to play this weekend. Uh, <laughs> It's almost like, like this is like almost like youth hockey in a way, where you're like just looking for a game and you can find a game where you're so precluded <laughs> by conferences normally, right? Yeah, we joke about it all the time. We say it's like uh, like going to the bar and trying to get a softball game together with a bunch of people at the bar, and you're just like, hey, who wants to play? Oh, you're in. Oh yeah, all right. And then you get a call half an hour later. Oh, my wife says I can. I got to watch the kids. And then yeah. oh, so who who are you grabbing next? And it's. It's a big scramble right now and trying to find guys or guys to play. But How uh, many games do you think you're going to be able to cobble together this year? So we think the league play will probably be, you know, um, anywhere from like 14 to 18. And then... Um, it's not the worst. We'll, not the worst no. thing in the world, right? Okay. Yeah. We got three in right now. We have three scheduled. And then the nice thing for us is if right now St. Lawrence is on, on break, so like they sent their students home uh, and their team home because they had a, an issue but they're 10 miles down the road. So if they're back, like we can get games in with them really at, at any time. So we had, we had four scheduled with them that we lost. So hopefully we can get those in. So we're, we're hoping to get a 25 game schedule in when it's all said and done. Do you think that they'll have a playoff this year with all this craziness? I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for our guys. I mean, last year was absolutely devastating. We were you know already qualified for the, you know, the NCAA tournament and, um, you know, it kind of got just, it got pulled out from underneath us. And, um, you know, that, that class we had of seniors last year, like they kind of changed the culture for us and, right. um, you know, like Nico Sturm who had left early, but, and even Jake Kiley, who's a Minnesota kid that, yeah. um, he left after they both left and signed after their junior year. But, um, there was still a really good core of seniors that, you know, we, we wanted to give them one more chance at it. And, um, yeah, it was just a tough way to end. So I'm hoping that this year's group gets a chance. But I, yeah, that was totally off the cuff. I, I'm assuming they're going to have an NCAA playoff. But how crazy is the that poor pairwise system, which I think stinks anyway, um, is really going to be put under pressure now because all these games are played within conference. You don't, really, you can't really cross out kind of conference with a lot of these games, right? Yeah, and so it's kind of nice right now. You kind of know, like, obviously every game is important, but it also allows us to, you know, throw our freshmen in there and see how they do when we play a team out of conference because they're only going to, you know, I mean, they matter and they're, they're important and we got to win those games, but also I don't think they're going to, uh, it just won't weigh as much as it normally does. I know it's going to be a weird system. Do you think there's a possibility they could throw the pairways out this year? Yeah, I think for this year, there's it, there it'll be a committee. So I, I don't think that the paralyzed will. I mean, again, I I'm not on those calls even to know, but that's that's what we've been led to believe is that the paralyzed will it'll be out this year and it'll be a. Uh, but we're we're playing right now. We don't really know how how it's going to go. I guess so. breaking news right here on our podcast that they're going to eliminate the paralyzed. I'm putting that on the on the tweet, by the way. <laughs> According to Josh Howji, the pairwise will be removed this year, and there will be a lot of people saying, "Thank goodness." Yeah, especially well, I, those teams that are number thirteen every year, right? Like those yeah. the, those people hate pairwise with a passion. Yeah. 
when I'm 100% not on those calls again. So. I know, I know. But it's funny, like you say, you were led to believe. That's 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 yeah. pretty good inside knowledge. All right, yeah. so well, let's wrap the show up here. I, I'd love to just talk about, you know, your sweet spot. Like, you, you're like one step away from the ultimate dream of starting from Junior B over at Bloomington Ice Garden to a head coaching job. Um, how good is it? How good is your life? You got two two boys, did you say? Yep, four and seven. and uh, Two boys, yeah. married, living the dream right now um did you could you ever imagine this when you were uh way back in dubuque or bloomington or even even at uh in fairbanks did you ever imagine that you'd be in a spot where you are now today no not at all i mean it's it's been one of those things that um each step you've just you know okay we'll keep going and see if we can have some success here and um definitely not something that like I said, when I started, I just wanted to be a, a Minnesota high school hockey coach and it's turned into a career and it's turned into, you know, yeah, it's a great setup. I mean, <clears throat> the kids, my boys are allowed to, you know, come and skate really whenever they want at the rank and they're around our team and they're right outside our tunnel giving knucks every single time the kid, the guys go on the ice and, you know, we're able to have players over for dinner and it's just, it's a small town where, where hockey is, is first and it's, it's a great place to be and it's a great place to raise a family. So I, yeah, I'm super happy here and feel super fortunate that I, that I'm able to do it. I was talking to Grant Patolny, um, right during our, we did a podcast during the first COVID and he talked about the difference between Northern Michigan and, uh, Minneapolis, you know, cause he worked at the university, he lived in Maple Grove. He says, yeah, the commute from Maple Grove to Minneapolis and the hecticness of it all was insane. I live in where, where he lives now, God, Marquette. I'm, I'm five minutes away. There's no traffic. My kids are at the rink with us. It's just like this wonderland. It, whereas living in the twin cities or a big metropolitan area, it can be so hectic and, and so much, you know, you know, so much more than it is with you. You you probably have one press guy who's writing stories for you. You don't have to deal with the press and the, the critics, do you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's one guy, right. It's one guy writing the paper and story for, you know, us and St. Lawrence. So, um, but it, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of pressure, like the, the history and tradition here at, you know, next year for us will be our hundred season of hockey. And, um, you know, it was the first program to a thousand wins. So like, there's, like, there's expectations and standards here that are, you know, really high. And, you know, back, you know, 30 years ago, like it was, you know, like Clarkson could go to union and win by, you know, 10 to one where now like everybody in the ECAC is pretty good. And the, the level of competition's really risen, but some of those people just remember those days. So it's, there, there's definitely a, a level of expectation here. And, um, no pressure with, I guess, really every job, but you're right. It's, it is small town. You're the people that are, you're going to see the people that are <laughs> unhappy with your power play and they're going to let you know they're at the grocery store. Yeah. Well, at least it isn't your dad, right? <laughs> yeah. I still hear it from him too. So <laughs> yeah, is he probably one of your biggest critics even today? I bet. Right. Yeah. I mean, my family, I know my, my brothers and my, my parents are still extremely supportive and they're, uh, yeah. How often do they get out there to watch a game? Is it have they yeah, ever not been out as there? much? No. Um, my my brothers, you know, get out like um, last year we went to Wisconsin. They they came to, a couple years back. We went to you know we played the University of Minnesota. So like they they get out there whenever we're playing in the area. Um, so it's but they they watch every game on ESPN Plus and um, 
yeah, big fans. They're big fans. Well, I'm a big fan of yours, Josh. I really appreciate you spending some time and telling your story of your your humble beginnings and and where you are today. And it it's fantastic to hear your story. It's it's a, it's very encouraging, inspiring to, to other future coaches who who might be listening in today. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun ride in here. Hopefully, we can keep her going, and uh, who knows where we'll end up next. Well, I can't wait. Well, thanks for joining me today, Josh. Uh, you'll get a hat from the Minnesotan mail to you. Uh, stick around here after after I do the sponsor read, and I'll get you all your information. Sounds good. Well, uh, if you want to put a tent in your Christmas list, check out the Minnesotan at theminnesotan.com. Uh, you buy $100 worth of apparel at their store, you get a $30 hat. Uh, really cool hats, too. Stuff from the St. Paul Vulcans, St. Paul Saints, Hams, Beer, Shot Pop, Shot Shop Palm Gang, uh, Met Center, St. Mary's Point Ice Arena, all kinds of vintage cool headwear there as well as apparel. Check out them, check them out at theminnesotan.com or their store in White Bear Lake. Huge shout out to Josh Hauji today for joining me today on the Minnesotan Pod.